Okay, we're here for another interview then with Dave Giddings today, who is a genuine ninja, which we are very much looking forward to talking about today. So, hi Dave, and first of all, thank you very much for coming on. No problem at all, Dave. Fantastic. Um, let's get started then, because it's an interesting one, this. Like, I haven't had much to do with ninjutsu before or anything like that. Um, and it's quite, it's quite an art that's specialist, I'd say, and, and not particularly mainstream, um, or as mainstream as, as maybe it was. So let's maybe discuss a little bit about that. But first of all, how did you get started then in training? Okay, yeah. So um, I first came to ninjutsu back in 1989 while I was in the army. Okay. So I was in a regiment called the Royal Green Jackets. Um, and while I was there, one of the corporals there taught judo. Okay. So yeah. A bit of judo and did about six months of that. Um, and then he introduced me to a guy locally who was teaching ninjutsu and like yourself i've never really heard much about it never sure. actually done anything with it at all so it was kind of like okay let's see what it's like cool. and it was just a really good fit for me i found the sort of the, the way it was taught how the techniques were explained worked really well for me as personally um, and that's where it really started from okay fantastic good so what was it that gripped you initially what were you looking for from the martial arts were you looking um, for I mean, self-development, yeah. personal safety, or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of it was obviously the whole ninja thing, I suppose. That's <laughs> something of it. Yeah. Can't really deny that. But <laughs> a lot of it was the fact that it didn't concentrate just on one particular aspect of martial arts. It wasn't just throwing. It wasn't just striking. It was a whole everything, really. Okay. Plus all the weapons. Um, and I've always had quite an interest in weapons. I mean, I did archery as a child. I did fencing at school a little bit. Uh, you know, so that's always been there um that plus the whole um being able to sense the intent of an attacker without seeing them that kind of thing that really drew me into it a lot i think okay um and i read some of the early uh, stephen hayes books who was one of the most sort of famous publicized people for the, the art as it were um so yeah it was very much those kind of things and i found the idea of it being more about survival rather than winning a fight made a, a lot of sense to me Okay, fantastic, good. So you continued training then, I would imagine, for yeah. a number of years, continued yeah. progressing up, um, and gained black belt. Is is that the way that it works in in kind Yeah, of absolutely. So the way the, the gradings and everything work is you have nine Q grades, which are your under black belt grades, if you like. Um, the only difference I'd say I've seen with the ninjutsu as compared to other martial arts is that you always have the same belt color. That doesn't change. Okay. Yeah. Um, so once you get once you've got your first belt from being white belt, um, for the men it's green and for the women it's red. Just how they do it. Yeah. And then you just go through each grade as you go along. Um, and the only way you can tell what level the other person is, is by the badge on the jacket. Um, and if they have, what they use was star systems. So okay. you have five stars um, as you go through. Silver from ninth Q up till fifth Q. And then they go to gold for six up to ninth Q. Uh, six up to fourth up to first cube, sorry. Yeah. So it goes that way. Um, and then, yeah, your downgrading, which comes next. There's not really a set pattern how that's done, Okay. to be fair. Um, and I think this is where a lot of the variance, shall we say, between dojos comes from, because the Japanese mindset is you're given a grade, then it's up to you to live up to that grade. It's okay. up to you how you go forward. So you're not kind of spoon-fed everything. You're basically told, well, this is what you're expected to be able to do. There you go. 
Um, and because of that, there's quite a variation in how each grade is done, how the black belt test is done and so on. The only consistency that I've seen, realistically, is a fifth down test. Um, that's the one where you kneel down, someone stands behind you with a shinai, and basically tries to hit you on the head without saying anything. And you have to feel the intent of that's them going to hit you and move out the way before you get hit. Okay, fantastic. So that's your fifth down test, and that's a very much a fixed point within the bridging gap. Um, and how do you train that then? How do you train that for a fifth? So the way you start by training that is you have to um, try to use intent in your training. So okay. this is not just being aggressive and trying to beat the other person up. But this is that when you go to punch them, they feel like you actually want to hit them, even though you have that control not to break somebody or anything like that. So you develop the ability to project intent in the techniques. So the person who's training with you gets a real, real feel for what it would be like, as it were, as much as you can within training. Once you can project the intent, then you start to work with noticing that intent. And to be honest, most people can do this because you will get times where you'll be sitting somewhere and you'll feel somebody staring at you. Mm. Yeah, the hairs on your back of your neck go up. You think, what they're looking at? And you pick up on that intent, that focus that somebody has. And it's really developing that. Um, the fifth down test itself is very much a almost puristic view of this because you're, yes, there's, there's a stress of sitting in front of everybody else while you're doing that, but you are just trying to relax and not search for something it's accepting it that's how i've described it okay. um, and by doing that your body will naturally move because you'll instinctively feel something and want to move if you sit there really tense trying to feel what's going to happen next it doesn't work you get hit okay cool yeah um let's run through some of the weapons then that you okay. use some of the things how that long you... have you got yeah <laughs> that's an interest of yours so yeah, yeah. So where did that so, interest start? You know, what weapons are employed in ninjutsu? Okay, so within ninjutsu, it's very much traditional Japanese budo weapons. Yeah. So it's not the karate stuff like nunchuckers and sai um, and things like that, which you, you know, see with the turtles and so on. Um, <laughs> it's very much more the traditional stuff. So um, sword, obviously, um, from katanas to wakazashis, tantos, um, kunais, which are... Um, <sighs> like this okay cool yeah. this is a kunai which is basically a blunt entrenching tool it's used for digging into places okay. so you can also use it as a weapon by hitting people with it yeah okay because it is quite a sort of a heavy metal weapon but it's got a good point on it as well so okay. it'll make holes in people um now what you'll see in a lot of anime and places like that they use these like throwing knives realistically they wouldn't be thrown that much because okay. they're very useful as a tool for right. levering open things and so on including people um, so it's very much used in that way. Um, obviously, shuriken is another yes. thing. Uh, so you'd have these kind of shuriken, um, flat plates, points on the side, but the edges aren't sharp, so you can hold this in your hand. Okay. You can dig into people with it and things like that and use that to move them around, but yes. obviously still the throwing thing. Bow shuriken, which is very much a traditional Japanese type of throwing spike, as it were. I don't know if you can see that too well. Yeah, cool. Um, that was used a lot as well. And again, the shuriken are more for discouraging people rather than actually killing them. Um, you'll see in a lot of times in the movies, people throw shurikens and people are thought dead. It's yeah. not how it really worked. Okay. If you've got to remember, ninjutsu comes from a time where there wasn't much medicine that worked against infections and so on. So if people are showing throwing rusty bits of metal with you, uh, at you rather, and maybe they're smeared with different contaminants, let's be polite. 
things like that will cause a really bad infection, which yeah. means that could be life-threatening, but it's going to be very debilitating at the very least. Yeah. And so they will try to avoid that. So it's used as a way of distracting your opponent. Okay. So it's those kind of things. Other weapons, traditional Japanese uh, six-foot staff, four-foot staff, Joe staff, Hambo, three-foot staff. Um, what else? Chain weapons, rope weapons, things with hooks and knives, grapnels. So pretty much anything, um, as well as blinding powders. Yeah. You know, the whole um, flash bomb type things. Yeah. Well, what they would actually do was get things, and we've used it in the past in our trading when we go outside. You get an egg, take a little bit off the top of the egg to get rid of all the contents, and then you fill it with powders. And if you're being nasty, it'd be filled with iron filings, yeah. uh, chili, salt, all those sort of things. So when you throw it at somebody after cracking the egg, basically it causes their eyes to be, lose the ability to see. And if it's got the iron filings, it's going to cause a lot of damage. Wow. So there's quite a few weapons and quite a wide variety, blowpipes, bows and arrows, everything. Wow, yeah, cool. Sounds super <laughs> fun, I've got to say. So if someone was to come in for their first class then in a ninjutsu right. school, yes. um, what would happen? What would be the, the kind of order of events, I suppose? Well, I mean, obviously they have to get through the initial testing phase of over the traps and through the... No. Um, <laughs> it is very much like a martial art. Basically, we... The way I run the classes, and as I said, each class, each dojo does their own thing, but the way I do it, we start with people learning how to roll, because we tend to roll more than break fall, because the idea is we can get this out on concrete, and a break fall on concrete hurts. So it's about being able to roll away, protecting your spine so you're going diagonally across your back, but also if you're rolling forwards, you've got to be seeing what's going on behind you, so you have always rolling off at angles, you're not going straight in the line. Okay. So we start rolling. Then we go on to techniques. Now, classes tend to last an hour and a half to two hours, and two-thirds of that will be unarmed techniques, whatever we're particularly looking at. And then the other third will be weapons. Now, I know some places will only do unarmed stuff up until you get to a certain grade, but then you start looking at weapons. Yeah. But I tend to put weapons into everything because I think if you train with weapons, your unarmed stuff gets better. Okay. And if you train unarmed, your weapon stuff gets better. If you leave weapons until they're at a certain level, then all that training they've done up to then almost kind of disappears to get so focused on holding a sword or a stick, they sure. forget to move their feet, things like that. Right. Yeah. But if they're used to using them, then you can progress both sides of that movement together. And so that's how the class would run. Okay, brilliant, yeah. Okay, um, do you ever find then that, you've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but the difference between the, the ninjutsu that you teach, that you practice, that you, yeah. you see as not, and what's portrayed in film, TV, book, right. etc. Is is this kind of literary license, or is this um, based well, on something exaggeration? Absolutely exaggeration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the basic the way this happened, ninjutsu first came to the Western world around about the mid seventies, early eighties, and what happened at that point? A lot of people were doing all this flashy stuff to get people to notice it, which you can understand. Sure. But the downside of that was places like Hollywood, places that made the films, took all the flashy stuff and built on that rather than yeah. looking at the more practical side of it. So, of course, you now have people who can disappear, people who can fade into shadows and no longer be in a room, even though all the doors and windows are shut, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's why the film version of Ninjutsu is usually quite an exaggeration on what you could actually do with the art. Perfect. Okay. And what do you think the essence of Ninjutsu is then? The essence of the art? Well, the symbol for nin of ninjutsu is um, a heart over a, under a sword. 
So the idea of ninjutsu is about perseverance. It's about enduring, survival, if you like. It's not about winning a fight. Yeah. The way I tend to tell people about this is if you look at a karateka or a taekwondo practitioner, if they got into a fight, they'd be very much focused because it's a competitive martial art, which is brilliant, but they're very much focused about winning the fight. So even if the person is knocked down, they're still going to stay there and still keep fighting until they feel they've won. Yeah. Whereas with ninjutsu, it's more about once they're out of the way, you leave, you get out of there. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of things like disabling things like um, stamping on ankles, stamping in knees, you know, so the person can't chase after you. <laughs> the only reason you'd ever stay after something like that is somebody else was threatened that you were trying to protect. But yeah. a lot of this is about getting away. Ninjutsu itself is not the art of assassination, which is a, what a lot of people seem to think. The original people that practiced ninjutsu were more intelligence gatherers, if you like. Think of them like spies, like the CIA. So they would go in undercover, they'd get information, they'd sow disinformation, they'd poison water supplies, they'd do things like that. So if they were going in and killing people, you'd lose that asset, which you spent so much time getting in there. So you, it was more of a case of, if you were discovered, you just wanted to get away without no one finding out who you were. So that's why it's a very much an escaping martial art, if you like. Perfect. And what do you think? Um, what do you think attracts people to ninjutsu today? Then, in kind of the modern well, world, times have changed a little bit, stuff, isn't it? You know, a lot of it's going to be that whole um, thing. But I think once they actually start training in a, a dojo that teaches it correctly, they start to see the actual effectiveness of it. Um, the use of the minimal amount of power to actually do something. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we use emphasize a lot on moving feet using body dynamics to achieve a lock rather than just brute strength because there's always going to be somebody else bigger and stronger than you yeah, and yeah. if you get so involved in fighting one person all their friends are going to turn up and kick your head in. so yeah. it's about having that global awareness yeah. um but yeah a lot of it is going to be the whole um, fantasy type side of things that i think draw people in but i think once they actually start seeing it and seeing it actually work effectively then that develops into something else yeah um it's probably one of the lesser known martial arts in terms yeah. of what you do in classes what the grading system's like what in terms like the professional level etc yeah. if you compare it to say karate aikido jiu-jitsu some of the other traditional japanese martial arts yeah why do you think that is is it because of the origins or is it some of it is the origins it didn't really come over to the uk until the mid 80s so it's quite a young martial art in that respect yeah um and the the portrayal of it in hollywood and so on i think people look on it and see it as just and not a serious martial art, sure. let's put it like that. Yeah. Um, you get people who say, oh, I teach ninjutsu, and you look at them and you know they're doing kickboxing in black pajamas. You know, it's <laughs> a lot of people try and pull that to help sell their school. Yeah. If ninjutsu was looked at correctly and taught correctly, then I think you would find there'll be more people interested in it, but there's okay. so much hype around it. I think yeah. that's why you don't get the huge intake of numbers. Um, that's not such a bad thing, to be absolutely honest. You know, if you've got a small dedicated core of people training, it's much better than having 50 people are only there for six months or a year or so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, let's talk about you a little bit more then. So, <laughs> okay. Um, have you studied in Japan? Have you done things like that? Have... Yeah, I've been to Japan three times. Okay. So far. Yeah. Um, I've went in um, 2009 and did my yeah. fifth down test, the one yeah. where they tried to hit one yet. Um, and then I went back uh, four years ago um and was awarded my 10th down wow. and then i went a couple of years ago and i got 
10th down at the fifth level, which is kind of the highest rank you can get within the budging cap. Okay, so, yeah, been about three times, um, trained in Hatsumi's class, um, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's no, good. What was the experience like of training with Hatsumi then? Because he's well, probably one of the, he's the man for ninjutsu, yeah? yeah? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you want to train ninjutsu, that's the person you want to train with in his yeah. classes. It sounds a little bit grandiose saying I've trained with him. I haven't trained with him. I've trained in the classes he teaches. Got it, okay. Because there's that whole student um, teacher relationship thing there, which you need to be there for a long time regularly to get that kind of level. And I, you know, most of us can't just afford to stay in Japan or move there. Um, but the way they train in Japan is very different to how it, the training is done in the UK sometimes. Okay. It's very much more controlled, very much about moving slowly to get the actual movement and the essence of the movement. And I think one of the criticisms that we find with ninjutsu is people say, oh, because you don't do sparring, then mm. obviously it's not effective. And it's not as accurate as that, I feel, because we still do randori which is free practice. We give people a set of premises like you're going to do this, this, and this, and you need to do something against it. And it's not at full speed sparring, but it's a little bit quicker than training. Okay. Within Japan, because well, half the reason is practical, there's so many people in a small room, you can't go hell for level. Um, but also people won't train long-term. Yeah. Um, this is an art which can be divert to somebody of any age because of the way it works. It's not a fixed way of doing things. It's not reliant on strength and speed. It's yeah. about positioning, distance, and so on. So in Japan, yeah, the training is different. And it's not just Hasumi Sensei that teaches, it's also his senior Japanese instructors that teach as well. So you can go to different classes and some of them focus on different things. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a, a Sensei over there called Somiera who concentrates mostly on sword and does a lot of work on sword in his classes. There's another uh, sensei called Shirashi sensei, who is very gentle, very movement, and he always talks about footwork, spine work, handwork, in that order. That's how you do the technique. Yeah. And it shows how you can just achieve taking people off balance with very minimal force. So yeah, it was a really, really good uh, experience over there. And I managed to go up to the um, Togakushi shrine, which is where Togakushi Ninjutsu comes from, which is the one that we, um, our, is our lineage, if you like. Okay. So that was quite interesting, going around there and seeing some of the exhibits they had up there in the museum and so on. Perfect, yeah. When did you sign to open your academy then? What, what well, was that about? Yeah, so um, when I got my um, black belt, I'm in Newbury and Berkshire, and we seem to be in a little bit of a black hole when it comes to martial arts, mm -hmm. because there's not really many around, well, there's no one around here that doesn't do so apart from myself. And so prior to that, I always have to travel an hour, hour and a half to different places to train. And when I got my black belt, the person that used to come to Newbury to teach the classes for me said that they couldn't do it anymore. Okay. So the only way I could realistically keep training regularly was to start a class. And sure. that's how that happened. So yeah, I've been teaching around here for about 15 years now. Perfect. So, Good. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And what do you think then that, um, what separates ninjutsu from the other martial arts out there? Um, it's difficult to say. The problem is there's so many different martial arts yeah. out there, you know. Um, for me personally, I think it's the way it talks about survival, the way it uses lots of different weapons. And these weapons are very adaptable to modern things. I mean, we don't all walk around carrying shurikens and swords. Sure, yeah. Yeah. But I can throw a beer mat at somebody yeah. and hit them in the eye. You know, I can pick up a stick, use it in a sword-like manner. You can use a rope in a sword-like manner. The weapons are very generic, so they translate to the modern times a lot 
well, fairly easily, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. That was going to be my next question, actually. How do, <laughs> yeah. adapt, how do we adapt or how do you adapt your training now for the modern world? When you've got so many, as we've said, martial arts, things like mm. kickboxing, boxing, MMA, jiu-jitsu, you name it, it's out there. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's what place ninjutsu has, whether it's is it too traditional, is it good to be adaptable, is it, you know, what's your thoughts on that in the modern world? It's, it, I think it is adaptable because if you look at how it's been taught from the early 1970s up to now, it's changed. Okay. And it has to change and evolve to stay relevant. Yeah. You know, I mean, the martial art ninjutsu itself is nearly a thousand years old. So it's had to change and evolve or it wouldn't have lasted. And to bring it into the modern age, you can use techniques where you talk about using things like uh, screwdrivers. You talk about using things like uh, pull cues, you know, things like that. Yeah. So you can adapt it to things. Um, there's a weapon called a kusari gamma. I don't know if you've heard of this. Basically, it's a, uh, it's a, a scythe, handheld scythe, with a chain and a weight on the end. Right. Okay? That's very traditional. But if I've got an iron with a plug on the end of it, yeah. with a lead, it's the same kind of concept. Yeah. So the adaption to modern techniques is, is really straightforward, I think. Um, Mitsubishi, you know, the powder in the eggs that I talked about throwing into people's eyes. Yeah. Alcoholic drinks, exactly the same. Handful of salt. You know, so it is stuff that we can really easily adapt to a modern world. But we emphasize a lot about getting away from stuff. Okay. Now, yeah. I've worked for about 20 odd years as a paramedic. Yeah. And with the martial arts side of things with work, the most I've ever done is just get out of the way of somebody and let them fall over. <laughs> a lot of times you can defuse these things just by talking to people. Yeah. Definitely. And it's that kind of level of, where would you use it you know um i wouldn't expect to be going around snapping people's necks sometimes, but i wouldn't so you know it's a lot of it is about actually defusing things moving away from things de-escalating is the word yeah. i think yeah so yeah i think it is adaptable to the modern age and i think the one of the big differences with ninjutsu to some of the ground grappling arts is we do do ground work but what we don't do is lie down on the ground and try and get into a lock we're always kneeling up, looking around, seeing what's going on. Yeah. And we're not looking for a submission. So we're not doing joint locks, we're doing joint breaks. Yeah. So it's those kind of subtle differences, I suppose. Yeah. Where do you see your future and your training and progression going then in the next 10, 15, 20 years? You know? Well, hopefully I'll still be training by then. Um, where do I see it going? I think a lot of it is a much more of a deeper dive into the art itself. Okay. Um, I find even now after 15 years of teaching, that we'll do a technique that we've done so many times before and all it takes is one person to ask a question about well why do you put your foot there and you get that light bulb moment well it must be because of this this and this and then you can adapt it to other stuff yes so you're always learning I, and i found teaching trying to explain things to people has helped me understand it at a much deeper level than it ever did before and i'm hoping that's going to continue definitely perfect what about the future of ninjutsu then? Do you think the art will change? Do you think it will adapt even more in the future? It will, I think it will have to adapt, to be fair. You know, that's the only way you're going to keep it relevant. But I don't, what I think it should keep its traditional roots. Mm -hmm. Because if you lose that tradition, that background to it, then the adaption starts going off in all weird and wonderful ways. So it has to be based on a foundation um, that's very traditional but you should have the ability to look at that and go, well, how do I adapt it to what I do now? Um, a lot of dojos within ninjutsu use um, something called Tenchi Jin, which is, okay. yeah, um, basically came out in the late 70s, early 80s. 
and it's a format of all the different techniques okay from beginner to black belt um and we use that consistently in our dojo and it shows when we do our black belt gradings at the level people get to by using that they have a very good understanding of the fundamentals because your black belt's your your foundation it says you know the basics yeah, yeah. and then the rest of it is progression from there yeah. um there's a particular set of techniques called the key on hapo which is eight sets of techniques and i've always referred to that as it's almost like musical notes you know the notes you can play the notes great now how you mix them up how you change them around that's what makes the creativeness in the art and yeah. that's how we try and look at it perfect okay thank you very much dave that was really that's good right. okay fantastic so yeah um yeah we hope you can get back to your dojo really soon after this yeah. all hopefully blows over at some point but yeah until Absolutely. then thank you very very much no it's been a pleasure thank you for okay. inviting us in you're very welcome okay thank right. you thanks thank you.